Good morning, church. Let me just add my welcome to Pastor Brenda's. It's so good to be with you on this Resurrection Sunday, on this Easter morning, where we celebrate the victory over death, Jesus' victory over evil. So good morning and welcome to this Easter Sunday. It's exciting to be here with you today. Lent is over. I'm not sure what practices you might have been engaging with these last 40 days, maybe giving something up, maybe taking something on. Um, Maybe for some of you, you want to continue in those practices. I know for me, giving up some of my screen time in the morning and nighttime has been helpful, and I'm looking to continue that practice. However God has been meeting you in this season, um, we celebrate that. Today we look at the last of the seven I am statements. And what I want you to do as you look through those, maybe put in the chat box, which one means the most to you this season? Which of those I am statements do you connect with or want to connect with most in this very season? As we've been talking through these statements, Jesus is making about himself. He's taking these Old Testament concepts And he's reinterpreting them and he's applying them to who he is and what he is doing. He's the bread of life, the light of the world, the way, the truth, and the life, the door or the gate, the good shepherd. And as Pastor Brenda said last Sunday on Palm Sunday, the true vine. And today we look at the resurrection and the life. So go ahead and put those in there. This is also a way just to connect in community As Pastor Brenda was saying, next Sunday, we look to welcome you in person. We'll continue with the online streaming as well. So today, our first passage um, is this passage where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life in John 11. And the context here is that Lazarus has died. He's the brother and friend of Jesus, but he's the brother of Mary and Martha. And Jesus received news that he was ill and that he was dying, but he did not hurry to that place. He didn't hurry and go there. And so when he does arrive, Martha runs out to him and confronts him in John 11, 21. She says, Master, said Martha to Jesus, if only you had been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. I want to focus in on this if only Because I think we can relate to that. Maybe this very day, maybe this season, maybe in your life, you've said the same thing to Jesus. If only this had happened instead of that. If only she had worked a bit harder on her exams. If only the politician was elected that I wanted in office. If only I hadn't yelled at my children in that way. If only... I didn't hurt my partner by the words and actions that I did. If only I could travel to see family and friends. If only I hadn't missed that milestone celebration, that wedding, or that funeral because I could not travel. For me, when I was growing up in my home, it was if only... I had a different family. If only my home was not so chaotic. If only we could be worshiping in person these last two years more than we've been able to. If only is a natural thing to say to God. It's a natural question. And Martha brings that question to him. Later in John 11, Mary does the same. 
if only Jesus. And when we think of that, if only, it might be a bit of, if I could only turn back the clock, do things differently, if only things had turned out different, maybe it's a bit of nostalgia, if only I could get back to how things were pre-COVID, I would have done something different. I would have made a different choice. I would have tried to have things work out better. It's a type of wishful thinking, right? Hoping something could have happened differently. I get it, right? We all do this. There's a little bit of bittersweet when we think about if only, you know, we dream of a reality that we wish could have happened. So how does Jesus respond to Martha's if only? We see this in verse 23. He says this, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So Jesus points Martha to a future that her brother will rise again. And and Martha is thinking of this as the resurrection, the, the resurrection when he will rise again. Now, what does she understand resurrection to be? Most Jews in that time believed in a resurrection, that they would be raised from the dead. The ancient world during that time had lots of different ideas of what would happen when you died. There was a huge variety. Some thought you would become gods and goddesses after death. Some thought that that was it. When you die, that's it. Your body will decay and return to the soil. In the Jewish view, there was, there was sort of less diversity, but there was still some diversity. The Pharisees and most of the, the Jews during that time did believe in a bodily resurrection that would happen to the faithful. The Sadducees did not believe in that. They didn't believe in a resurrection. You can see in the Gospels, Jesus um, uses that questioning between the Pharisees and the Sadducees to get them engaged in that content. So, Martha believes in the resurrection, but her response to Jesus is, yeah, yeah, I know he'll rise again, but what about right now? What can you do right now, Jesus? I'm wanting help right now, not in that somewhere off day. She isn't prepared for Jesus' response. Jesus nudges Martha forward in her faith and in her understanding. In verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, Jesus is saying that future, that future resurrection is not just in the future, but it is right here, right now. That new creation can burst forth in this very moment. Martha doesn't have to wait for the Messiah's second coming to experience new life. See, resurrection isn't just a belief. It isn't just a a future reality. It's a person. And that person is standing right in front of Martha in this story. It's the person of Jesus. And Jesus is prodding her to trust. Prodding her to believe. Prodding her to hope 
that her present reality can be different because of who Jesus is. He is challenging her and urging her to exchange her if only to if Jesus. If Jesus is the one who is coming, if Jesus is the Messiah, if Jesus is God's own Son, if Jesus is bursting forth in this present world, bringing his kingdom right now. See, I don't know how Jesus will meet your if-only question, how he will meet your grief, your regret, your loss, but I do know he will be with you in it. That he might surprise you with his response as he surprised Martha that he will bring his reality into yours that might lead to unexpected places in your heart and in your life. That he might turn your grief, regrets, and disappointments, he might meet those with his good news, with hope, with resurrection, with new life. See, he invites Martha to believe in him. He invites Martha to believe that he is the resurrection. And the key to this is belief, is faith in Jesus. My if only in COVID was many things. It was about worshiping together as a community. God, if you could just help us to worship together, then things would be better. We could help more people. We could experience connection as an earlier, you know, in my life, it was, if God, if only you could have put me in a different family. If only my life looked like these other people I would see in the church. It seems so easy. It seems so much less hard. It seems more joyful than my life. I was angry at God. But as much as I was angry, as much as I was, if only God... I could sense there was more. I wanted to believe more. I thought there has to be more. I couldn't see it in that moment, but deep in my heart, I wanted there to be more. Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Not some future resurrection, not some future life but I can bring renewal right here, right now. Jesus possesses the power of resurrection. And the one who believes in him, though you were to die, you will experience the power of resurrection in your own life right now. Jesus is life. And whoever experiences resurrection experiences, as John says in John 3.16, eternal life or life in the kingdom, as the other gospels say. See, the, the, the amazing thing is Jesus invites Martha to believe this before Good Friday, before he's died, and before he has resurrected. He's asking her to make a huge leap of faith. Two days ago, we looked at, and we walked through Good Friday. We worshiped together as we remembered what Christ did for us. What do you remember from that day? What stirred in your heart as we worshiped, as we read, as we received teaching? 
See, for the disciples, that Friday was not Good Friday. They were lost. They were hopeless. This was not how things were supposed to turn out. They were saying, if Jesus had not died, they were saying, this must have gone all wrong. See, they thought that that was the end. They thought all hope was lost. They didn't know what was going to happen next. So this Easter Sunday for them was unexpected. And that brings us to our key text for today. See, Luke tells us that Mary Magdalene and Mary go to the tomb. They've got spices. They're there to further prepare the body for burial. Perhaps they're also there to grieve. And that brings us to our key text today from John 20. I've asked May to give us the reading for today's word. Let's have the reading now. John chapter 20, verses 1 to 10, the empty tomb. Early on, the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Eyes red from weeping, sleepless Sabbath nights, women at the tomb, perhaps bringing more spices, perhaps to grieve. Perhaps they're there because there's no other place to go. At first, the empty tomb was not celebrated. It was a question mark. It was a puzzle. What happened? Did somebody steal the body of Jesus? Now, this is the first time in John's Gospel that we hear of Mary Magdalene. But what a role she has. She is the first apostle. Apostle means sent one. And she's an apostle to the apostle. She brings them the news that the tomb was empty. And in the following verses, we see that she is the first one to see, to meet, and to talk with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. The women play such an unusual role in the Gospels. The men are hiding somewhere. They're afraid that the authorities are going to come from them next. And yet the women show up at the tomb to tell people about it. See, women were not regarded as credible witnesses in that day. So if early Christians were going to make up a story of the resurrection, they would not have it be women who were the first to make the discovery. 
And to me, that rings true of our faith. This is not how somebody would make it up, not how somebody would plan, and yet this is what happens. And here's the other thing that that lends credibility to our story of faith and Jesus' resurrection, is that when they find the empty tomb, the cloths are still there. They're not thrown about the room. There's sort of a cloth that also goes over the face and it's set aside in a deliberate way. We were reading the story of Lazarus earlier and we didn't get through the whole chapter, but when Lazarus was raised, he came out of the tomb still wrapped in all of these cloths. He needed help getting them off. But for Jesus, when they discover the tomb, it's as if his body just escaped. The cloths are just laying there undisturbed and the cloth over the face is set aside. It would have been a complicated task to unwrap the body so carefully. If the body had been stolen, it would have probably, they wouldn't have taken the cloths off or it would have been done in a hasty manner. So we see even this early evidence as as helpful, as legitimate, and it's helpful for us to understand what was happening. Now let's go back to chapter 20, a few verses later. Verse 15 So there's somebody near the tomb and he talks to Mary. He asks her, women, woman, why are you crying? What is it you are looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher. She knew the voice of the shepherd. She knew what he sounded like. In that moment, what she maybe was afraid to believe, afraid to hope for, becomes reality that this Jesus Christ, whom she has followed and trusted, really has come back to life. It's a beautiful scene. And she's given the task to share this news. She gets this intimate encounter with Jesus. And we're better off for knowing what that looked like. As the Gospels go on, they describe these interesting interactions about who Jesus is in his resurrected body. See, Jesus wasn't just resuscitated. It's not like the Father gave him CPR and brought him back to life. Jesus was resurrected. He defeated death. He's in a body, but it's different. It still carries the wounds of the cross, but somehow he's changed. He's physical. He can eat food, but other times he can pass through doors. They know he's real, but there's this difference, that this transformation that has happened to him. Now, if you were, again, going to make up a story about the resurrection, you wouldn't have it be this mysterious thing of being physical and spiritual, being transformed and yet still very material. It's as if they're, they're looking for words for something they've never experienced before. And that's, in fact, what had happened. They were experiencing something they had never experienced before, a resurrected Jesus. We get two truths from the Gospels. One, that the tomb was empty. And two, 
that the risen Jesus met many people. Resurrection meant that death had been defeated. That Jesus accomplished the victory over death, over evil. That new creation had begun. Now, not everything changed all at once, but that process of God's kingdom coming, right? On earth as it is in heaven had started. God's rescue plan was in motion. See, in verse 17, we see this. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Notice the transition that Jesus is welcoming his disciples into. Something had changed. Something had been achieved. A new relationship has sprung to life. And the disciples are welcomed into this new world. They can have that intimate relationship with the Father that Jesus had. It's not just my Father. It's your Father. It's not just my God, but it's your God. Jesus' new creation had begun and he welcomes the disciples into this intimate relationship with God the Father. See, Jesus had made a way forward with Easter, a way back to the Father. And everyone who follows Jesus, who puts their trust in him, is a beloved son or daughter. These I am statements, which one has meant the most to you? this season. Pastor Brenda talked about so often our journey is I am for myself and Jesus was I am for you. He is bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life, the gate or the door, the good shepherd, the true vine, the resurrection, and the life. And he invites us in to experiencing him. He invites us into following him, into discipleship, which is really just an invitation into the lifestyle of Jesus to do the things Jesus did, to be transformed by who Jesus is, to receive freedom, to receive victory over death. See, God's plan is not to evacuate people out of earth, but to make us new, to transform us and to transform this world. The power that was released at Easter is the power to transform our lives, church. I know that I want that, and I want to walk in that, to transform us and to transform this world and its systems into his image where there is no more COVID, no more social distancing, no more virtual church, no more death, separation, heartbreak, but wholeness and flourishing. See, Jesus meets us in our deepest pain. He met Martha and Mary in their pain of losing their brother, Lazarus. He didn't meet them in the way they expected. They wanted him there earlier. They wanted him there according to their timing. 
Jesus didn't give them what they wanted and when they wanted it, but he did give them what they needed. And he does the same for us. God's timing is rarely our timing, but his timing is right. And he meets the needs of his people. He gives us what it is that we need. See, my if-only prayer was, if only I had been raised in some other way. And Jesus didn't remove me from that circumstance. He didn't change my situation, but he changed me. Jesus might not change your partner, your child, your spouse in the way you want them to be changed, but he welcomes you to transformation. He invites you in to be transformed. See, Jesus used the pain and the brokenness in my life to bring resurrection life, to bring healing, to make me who I am today. And he invites you to do the same, to bring your life to him, your brokenness, your pain, your anger, your grief, your unforgiveness, and let him transform it into compassion and empathy, and forgiveness. Give him the ingredients of your life. Give him the circumstances of your life and let him do a new work in it because he is faithful to do that work in our lives and to continually transform us and transform this world. Will you bring him your life today? Will you bring him all of what's there right now and let him do a work? Whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or this is your very first time to trust in him, I would encourage you to bring your life afresh to him this day, this Easter day, 2022. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the new life that you bring. Thank you, Jesus, for the victory over the grave. Thank you that you gave your life so that we might have life, to have life to the full. We bring all of that to you, Jesus. Do a work in it, I pray, in your name. Amen.